quieres decir, me voy a despertar a las 7 y media de la mañana. And I just. Me woke up at 8.30 and it was like, uh-huh. nine. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> My alarm was at 6 in the morning because my plan was going to the gym and then coming here. I didn't even wake up to be here on time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I normally go to swimming classes at 6. Mm-hmm. Then I come here and then we record. Mm-hmm. I haven't gone to swimming classes for three weeks. <laughs> so I get it. This time it's because my little sister uh, was staying over. And she's literally listening to us right now. We have different um, guests every Yes, every episode. time we record. <laughs> My house is a house of wonders. That's beautiful. Yes. It's a house of, like, surprises. Welcome to another Monday of... No one gets away with anything. Today here with you, we are... Jose Rafael Chaneri. And Ariana Lopez. Speaking about feeling off. Yes, feeling, feeling off. I think we explained it very well. So, yeah, I guess you'll just listen to what we have to say about it and we hope that you don't judge us for our procrastination early monday mornings hope you have fun well today we have a beginning topic like we're gonna speak about being off tipo cuando literalmente no cuadras Pero, exacto el tema viene porque creo que ambos como que nos hemos sentido full así últimamente sí y bueno, también al último episodio hablamos de emigrar y muchas veces emigrar viene con sentirte off. Uh-huh. Este, porque no conectas bien con tu ambiente. Pero también sentirse off, o sea, lo puedes ver desde ese, desde ese punto de vista, pero también lo puedes ver desde el punto de vista cuando you don't feel like in, like in sync with yourself. Claro, lo, lo que pasa es que being off is like. tiene los dos componentes, ¿no? O sea, uh-huh. I think like to be connected. No, puesto being off is being on. You have to be connected. Mm-hmm. To be connected, you have to. You, there has to be a flow between who you think you are in the world and like the job and things that you mm-hmm. are doing in the world. Como que, and if there's, me encanta esta palabra. I know I see it, aunque es demasiado snotty to say, but if there's any dissonance in that relationship, you feel off. Mm-hmm. Total. Y bueno, ahí viene, o sea. Tienes dos componentes. How you feel, like, your relationship with yourself at the moment and your relationship with the environment at the moment. And speaking about positive, negative, positive, positive, <laughs> negative, negative. For example, so when you're not feeling good with yourself, but you're actually interacting in an environment that makes you feel comfortable, then you can, like, counter that feeling off on your own. And the other way around. When you're feeling very in sync with yourself, And the environment you're about to face or that you're facing is not an environment in which you feel comfortable, then that feeling of sync with yourself is going to get lost, right? So there has to be, it is a symbiotic relationship between you and your surroundings that allows you to be completely on. The same way it is way easier for you to feel off by anything or any trigger around you. Okay, well... By the way, the use of symbiotic there was amazing. Me encantó. Este, pero voy un poquito más allá. O sea, no, yo descubrí el otro día, el otro día jugué fútbol y me di cuenta que I've been sabotaging myself mm-hmm. for a very long time. And it's like mental. It's totally and absolutely mental. Porque, again, you can feel very good where you are, but if you were like, oh, I don't belong here, oh, this mm-hmm. is like, you're going to sabotage yourself. Um, 
I have an example for later. Okay, un poco un un epiphany that I had the other day about my perception of myself for a very long time, and it was shocking. And my brother said it like super casually, and I was like, "Oh shoot!" Uh, Wait, just say now. Don't leave it for later. Yeah. Okay, yo siempre, I've always been a bit of a self-conscious person. Mm-hmm. Y una de las cosas las que I'm very self-conscious about is my body weight. Tipo, okay. en, en general, como que, ajá. Y yo le digo, a mi hermano estábamos hablando algo, no sé por qué. Y yo dije como que, tipo, sí, sí, yo cuando era gordo, vaina, no sé qué. Y mi hermano me dice como que, bro, you were made to believe you're fat. Tipo, your environment made you feel like you're fat. Mm-hmm. Tipo, las personas con las que tú estudiaste, they bullied you into thinking you were fat. You were never fat. Like, you had a couple years in like high school and like the late high school and you already believed that you were fat that you made yourself like you made a self-fulfilling prophecy out of being fat and I was like shoot I think that's true mm-hmm. y me he dado cuenta porque a ver como que like when you put a shirt on like a, a, a soccer shirt they're tight sometimes uh-huh. y es como que I always felt uncomfortable with them etc mm-hmm. y de hace como unos meses para acá como que oh, well, I don't give a crap like even if they're uncomfortable like who gives a shit like mm-hmm. I'm playing uh, y me hago cuenta que defining whether it's the environment or you is very difficult porque en parte mm-hmm. the environment made me think that I was fat when at the time I was actually pretty good Actually, like, really, really good. Um, and sometimes it's the other way around. Sometimes you can have, like, the perfect scenario. And have, like, the yips. Tipo, sabes, que no se sacas de yips. The yips es, tipo, muy común en béisbol. En verdad puede pasar en cualquier deporte. Pero es cuando un jugador ponte, o sea, el tipo es un crack. Ha metido, tipo, todos los tipos. Es un pitcher y dicho, ha pichado demasiado bien. Toda su carrera, tipo, no sé, 120 miles an hour pitches, curvea las pelotas perfecto, va, y un día va a hacer un pitch y no le sale. Y trata mm-hmm. segunda vez y no le sale. Y más nunca en su carrera vuelve a sacar un buen pitch. Mm-hmm. Tipo, eso pasa. Y no hay de dónde coño explicar por qué pasa esa vaina, ¿sabes? Yeah, yeah, está tipo, there's a difference between days in which you feel off and when you're feeling off is something that becomes so like internalized in yourself that you cannot get rid of it exactly and i have two things to say first in terms of like body conception because i think that's a very important example to take into account i told you before like i've always not always but i've had issues with the way i look at myself for a long time like i had an eating disorder like i started around 14 or something and ever since At the moment, I don't feel as comfortable with my body. It's like, I, I know I don't look bad, but I always feel like, you know, I know I can be better, right? And every time I look back, it's like, I was better back then, right? And it hasn't stopped happening, even nowadays. I look at pictures from a year ago where I felt like I could be better in comparison with the year before that, and I'm like, dude, good and I was so concerned about not being like that but then nowadays I feel the same way and probably a year from now I'm gonna like look at the pictures from today and be like shit why I was so why was I so concerned about it and uh, like the worst part of it all Okay, <laughs> more. So like eventually it will become like you will actually be worse every year. Yes, yes, exactly. So in that sense you it's not only that you look back and you miss something but you miss something that you did not seize and you did not enjoy at the moment which is even more sad yeah and then the other thing i was going to say is that 
all of this, I think, goes down to like some sort of paradigms to which we believe, like we live to believe. For example, your paradigm, which then you were able to shut down, was like, I am fat. Although it was not true, it was a truth, it was something true for you. Exactly. That was built both because of your environment and because of how yourself reacted to the environment. It's, it's other things too, like my family, tipo mi familia, I. Eh, como que ¿cómo se llama esto? historial de, mm -hmm. de obesidad como mm -hmm. que hay muchas personas en mi familia que es típico que te dicen ay si tú comes mucho de esto engordas cosas así mm -hmm. y es como que it, it was kind of like primed right there for me to like grab onto it and take it on mm -hmm. como identidad y en verdad es de las peores cosas que creo que me ha pasado a nivel tipo psicológico y I realized it yesterday <laughs> tipo fue And I remember thinking, like, I'm going to have to talk about this in the podcast, so I need to solve it with myself before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, yes, it's time to, to internalize this as much as possible. Mm -hmm. um, well, another thing is, I'm not sure how, how true this is, but, like, Venezuelan families have a very toxic relationship with being skinny or being fat. True. Even though I think that my family environment is very healthy, Like, it's always been present, the idea of, you have to be skin. Like, you have to be skinny. Yeah. A ver, yo no lo vi tanto porque también Venezuela es una sociedad un poco machista. Entonces, las cosas que les pasan a las mujeres tampoco le pasan a los hombres. Y una de las cosas que yo en algunos momentos me ahorré fue esos comentarios que yo escuché a como mi hermana le decían, ay, te vas a comer esto. Ay, pero te chavo, te estás un poco gorda, no sé qué cosa. And it's like, what the fuck, why are you saying this? It happens. Y personas que amas y adoras, mm -hmm. como que eso no quita del amor que les tengo a esas personas. Pero a mí me pasó una o dos veces que yo en verdad era como que me quiero comer toda la torta. Tipo, no me importa lo que pienses de mí. En verdad, me quiero comer todo, 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 todo. Y te decían como que otro y tú uh -huh. otro y otro más, sí, ahí, uh -huh. por favor. <laughs> yeah. And that leads to binging episodes. For example, for me, it's like if you feel like eating a lot in front of people makes you feel bad, then you start eating a lot, but on your own, you start mm. hiding from people to eat, and that just gets like worse and worse. If, you, if I'm gonna be totally honest with you, I think I did that for a very long time. I still do that every once in a while. I know, like uh, when I moved to Spain. Uh, I was feeling off with my environment. Tipo, what, what happens with food is that food is always good for you, mm. at least in the short term. Like it's like mm, mm. food, mm, pequeños, <laughs> like mm, whatever. Yes, entonces, uh, y creo que lo dije when I moved to Spain, the first couple of months I was literally just eating, like just eating, and it was like. I would go to the supermarket, buy as much junk food as humanly possible, to my convenience, of course, and then like I would come home, put it under my bed, because my bed are the ones that have storage space, so I would literally put it under my bed, and then periodically eat it over a period of like a month or a week, and it would be like not good amounts of food. Okay. So. I did that for a real, but I didn't see it as a bad thing. I, I just thought, like, well, I'm snacking. Mm -hmm. And I'm realizing, as we record this, <laughs> that that was not very healthy of me. But also, it's like, I have, I have a dilemma with that. Because obviously binging is not physically healthy. But when you get to the stage in which you have to binge, like, countering the instinct is actually also very unhealthy. Hmm. It's like telling yourself don't eat because, you know, it's bad instead of, you know, just choose something that you really want to eat it's gonna, that's going to make you satisfied, which is something too advanced for the moment in which you want to binge, honestly. 
it's complicated. So it's like you're faced in a dilemma. It's like some sort of vicious cycle that you can only get out if in a moment of clarity you're like, okay, this is my game plan. And when I face the situation again, this is what I'm going to do. And you also have to look at your, like, why are you getting there? And targeting the why is it like both emotionally or how you, what you're eating. That's the important thing, right? So feeling off usually is a result of something that goes way back. It's not how you're feeling at the moment that's the that's going to explain you what's the reason for it. But you actually have to make it exercise of self-reflection to get to the answer for yeah, that. Yeah, there's a route mm-hmm. to the problem. I want to skip to a different example to try to explain this. When you have a fight, like when you're a romantic partner, mm-hmm. when you have a fight, generally speaking, what you're fighting about is not what you're fighting about. Tipo la pelea que tú estás teniendo en este momento sobre el post de Instagram de la semana pasada que no me taquillaste... That's not what you're fighting about. Mm-hmm. You're probably fighting about the fact she doesn't see that you recognize her enough or etc. Y me cuenta porque I'm, I'm actually, I've actually, un poco historial, I've had a lot of girlfriends in the past, but they've never lasted for a reason. I'm very good at conflict avoidance. I don't like conflict. I really don't. And I'm very good at making everything look good, tidy, and nothing's mm-hmm. happening. And the first, this is the first time I'm having a relationship where I have conflict, healthy conflict, and it's like, okay, we have a problem, we need to solve it, not avoid it. And I'd never realized that sometimes when you have a problem, you actually can't fix it. Like, there's things that you actually can't fix, like somebody's going to end up feeling bad, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes you need a little bit of this perspective, and it's like, precisely what you're trying to say, like, when you're binging, and you realize, like, binging is bad, Not binging is also bad. What the fuck do I do? Mm-hmm. You have a problem with, with your spouse or partner or whatever, and you're like, if I try to fix this problem, they will feel bad because I'm, they made me fix it. Mm-hmm. Or I will feel bad because I had to fix it. And if I don't fix it, the same thing happens. I'll feel bad for not fixing it. She'll, she'll feel bad before I, I did or Or that person will feel bad because I didn't fix it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, then what the fuck do you do? Like, how do you look at the problem and it's like okay binging is not the problem mm-hmm. the problem is feeling off within yourself and like the only way that you can calibrate yourself aparte y yo aquí entro un poquito en cosas un poquito más metafísicas y, y muy específicamente por mi crianza o sea mi mamá me enseñó que cuando te sientes muy mal eh, there's only a certain amount of things science can do for you and I I like I, I believe More than I agree. <laughs> like, there's a part of me that does not agree, but I believe. <laughs> and it's like, you know, sit down and meditate about it. You'll think about mm. a reason why you're doing it wrong. And you probably are doing it wrong for some, in one way or another. And probably not because of you. Like, probably your mom said one too many things to you when you were little. Or you didn't get enough hugs or whatever. But, you know, it's you. People, it's your it's your mind, it's your body, it's your problem, and it's your responsibility to fix it, even if you didn't fuck up. And that's when you make a game plan. And I realized that the best thing to do is first find the root of the problem if you can. And if you can't, if you would treat a disease, it's not like binging. Like, you have to treat it like I, my... Well, because I'm a bit of the ramas of the argument, but... Uh, the, the medicinal system treats bacteria, not humans. 
like uh-huh. the, the medical system is made to treat bacteria, not humans. When you have a problem that is about dissonance in your own environment, cuando te sientes que estar en un lugar te hace sentir mal, o tú te sientes mal en un lugar, no te puedes tratar a ti mismo como un germen. Y la gente tiende a hacer eso, ¿sabes? La gente se tiende a tratar a sí mismos como si fueran algo que te tomas un ibuprofeno, te tomas un, un, un antibiótico y desapareces. And that's never going to work. You need to treat yourself as a human. And the only way to do that is thinking, like, what is it? Verlo como un problema oh, wow. super mecánico. Like, why is this not functioning correctly? And it takes a lot of fucking, like, tienes que tener, tienes que tener unas bolas para parar de decir, ya va. ¿Qué está pasando aquí? Oh, pero I have, I like, I have another idea to counter the one you have. I feel like I've reached a point in my life in which I understood. I've reached a point in my life in which I understood that okay, I need to, fi- I need to have the guts, right, to yeah. ask the question. But once you start asking the questions. Answering is also not easy, right? No, no, no. And it's not only that. It's that asking question becomes addictive. So, sometimes asking too many questions becomes the problem itself. It's like you stop, you stop feeling on at any point in life because you're always thinking like, how am I feeling? Is this, is this right? Is the other thing affecting this thing? Like, am I enjoying this? Am I not enjoying this? In a scale of one to ten, how much am I seizing the moment? How much could I do to make it better? Like, am I really leaving the present? And that's not healthy either. I feel like we're also like bombarded with this idea of be present, don't go to the past, don't go to the future, na na na. Be self-aware, have emotional intelligence, be stable. Sheesh, boy. I, I can't. It. Well, I, I'm going to bring you back to a quote that you said. The, 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 most, the, the most correct answers are the most difficult ones. I think you said. Ones. Yes. Yeah. The right decisions hurt the most. The right decisions hurt the most. And I, I'm going to bring up my favorite person again. Jordan Peterson. Well, he has a... I actually have bought it. It's called the Self-Authoring Program. Mm-hmm. We're not sponsored by Jordan Peterson in any way or affiliated to him. I, <laughs> I mean, wish... If at some point I would wish, like to... No, I don't know. I would like to. I would like to be sponsored by him. <laughs> not the other way around, I think. Uh, he has a self-authoring program. And it's funny because it fits very well with our problem. I don't fit in like at the moment and the expectations that the world has for me to fix myself up mm-hmm. que es como que no solo es que me te tienes que arreglar sino que te tienes que arreglar y arreglarte en el pasado y mantenerte fuera del futuro y mantener y vivir tu presente mientras piensas en si lo estás viviendo bien fuck mm-hmm. <laughs> not very good no entonces he has the self-authoring program helps you live a life without the baggage en el sentido como eh, vamos a ponerlo de esta manera cuando limpias el polvo del apartamento Okay, so come okay, now I can start from scratch and see like, yes, this, this is a table I can eat in. Okay, como que lavaste los platos, para así decirlo. Mm-hmm. And so it's a couple of exercises that say, okay, if you have any memory from the past 18 months, tipo 18 months, está bien. If it's, it's been more than 18 months and that memory still makes you tear up, cry, or te hace sentir muy, muy emocional, there's a part of you that's still living there. And you can't. 
You can't do that. Tipo, tienes 18 meses para sort your fucking crap out <laughs> and, you know, get out of there. If it's longer than that, a bit, it, I think it extends to two years, but if it's longer than that, you're living in your past. And that's wrong. Like, it's okay if you're thinking about what happened to you last week because it's probably relevant to your survival in the next couple of days. But if you're still thinking about something that happened two, three, four, five years ago, you're stuck there. And I realized that the fat thing, I've been living there since I was eight. I'm 20. I've lived more of my life there than outside. And now I have to figure out how the world looks sin pensar así. Como que no, no lo había pensado nunca. Es como que, damn. Después está, para terminar rapidito, porque no, está future authoring, que es talking about what you want for the future. Entonces, como you have somewhere to, como que, te dicen, ahora es tu past, you sort it out, okay? Y dices, okay, future authoring, they say, what's the best thing that could happen to you in the next five years or ten years? And then the worst. And it gives you something to run away from and something to run towards. And then the present authoring is tipo entender qué cosas tienes tú. Tipo, your qualities, positive or negative. Yeah. That's the whole program. And it's amazing because mm -hmm. it's, it, it, it's, I don't know, it's like what you need to have no, no dissonance in your present, I think. Well, I think it's, the, <clears throat> what I like the most about it is it's very straightforward. And you yeah. put it like that, it's like, duh, it's easy. <laughs> and I, I think that like you have the thing that you're thinking about while we speak about it, and then I have my thing while, you know, you, what I think about while we speak about this, and it's really uncomfortable. And what I also know from my experience is that in order to have the guts to face something, like that thing that's really making you feel off in different environments, which is, I think it's very important to understand, like, sometimes you can feel off about one thing in an environment and you can escape from it in another environment or with yourself. True. But there are other core elements that you have to sort out with yourself that no, no matter where you are, at some point they're gonna come and it's like nobody gets away with anything. I was gonna say, <laughs> nobody gets away with anything. <laughs> nobody gets away with anything and, like, in order to, when you start a face in your life, because I think those, those big things come in faces and you cannot get rid of them so easily. First is, I feel off, right? Then it's like, okay, you start gathering information. When do I feel off? What does it mean that I feel off? Who makes me feel more off, less off, na na na? And then you sort of start like getting your no hypothesis and then you start trialing and then, until you actually know what's the thing yeah, that you, bothers you. You have your whole scientific method to it. Yes, you have your whole personal scientific method to it. And then it's like, you're gonna feel uncomfortable because you're not gonna like what you, what you, what you learned usually. <laughs> it sucks, dude. That's yes. not something that you're like, even if some other people see it as what the fuck? Why are you getting like so affected by it? But for you, it's ground shaking, right? So before you can even do something about it and make your game plan, you have to become a person that's ready to face that. And I think that in my case, for example, the person that found out about the problem and the person that's dealing with the problem now, it's very different. And the person from before would have not been able to deal with the problem. Yeah. 
And probably I'm not dealing enough with the problem as my six year from now version will. So it's also like you cannot rush it. And I wanna rush it. I wanna get rid of it. I wanna just like have all the strength and all the guts to just like go and face it and be like, okay, this this is sorted. Let's move on. But no, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. But but it works really mysteriously. It's gonna sound weird, but your face reminded me of someone. The way that you speak reminded me of someone. Uh, well, my, my favorite English teacher ever, her name is Miss Michelle. She is a Venezuelan mom. She's my English teacher. I loved her. She read me Shakespeare and made mm-hmm. me fall in love with that. And it's, uh, she's always been a very, a, whenever I look back at English, and now I'm an English teacher, and I like, she's in my mind a lot mm-hmm. for some reason. And uh, she made us read a book called Speak when we were, I think, the third grade. Speak is a very difficult book to read. In third grade, uh, we were in like the third year of high school. Sorry, like, yeah, we were entering first year of high school. We were juniors, okay? We were reading it. Uh, but so the book is about a girl who goes through the process of realizing she was raped, mm. okay? And is a topic that I'm very, it's very difficult for me to talk and mm-hmm. speak about because they get me very, very angry. One of the things that me han dicho all my life is like, men are bad or men are shit. And it's like, well, you make a lot of people around you, whenever you say that, you make a lot of people around you that maybe aren't shit feel that way. Mm. And especially, no sé, yo soy, yo fui un niño muy sensible y cuando tú creces escuchando que eres una mierda, you believe it. You believe it and you turn into it. And I remember that as I actually grew up in high school, I had read the book and I hadn't really thought about it for a couple of years. And then I got to my last year of high school and I have heard I have a very good friend and a lot of people had told me their experiences. Some of them had had experiences like that. I had prevented a couple of experiences like that with some of my friends. And me acuerdo perfecto, walking in the halls, like in your last year of high school, you get to walk around the halls sometimes mm-hmm. and do whatever a you lot. want. You get to walk around a lot. Yes, and it's always fun for some reason. <laughs> and me acuerdo perfecto, and she told me she was giving that class to some kids. And I've been in MUN, like you said, and it makes me be able to talk about things without having to rehearse. And she stopped me and said, oh, oh, Jose, come in. Can you tell them they're about to start reading Speak? Can you tell them a little bit about it? And I swear, I've had so much trouble dealing with that. Like, es el único tema en el que yo me pongo en verdad físicamente alterado. O sea, en verdad me altera hablar de eso. Y me acuerdo perfecto que en ese momento era mucho peor porque estaba en quinto año. I was 17, 18, and I was very immature in some things. Y me acuerdo perfecto como que entender, como que I have to explain this book and this thing to somebody who is three, two, three years older than me, younger than me, and have them be able to digest this. Mm-hmm. Y me acuerdo perfecto que I got up and I told them, this is going to be the most important book you're ever going to read, at least for the foreseeable future, and I'm going to tell you why. And I said... In a couple of years, when you're in high school like me and you're walking the halls, there's going to be a lot of good people. And sometimes there's going to be bad people, too. And appearances, especially in high school, rule a lot. If you're aware enough, you might realize that the person walking next to you might not have the best intentions. And I remember seeing a couple of kids' eyes like dart around the room. 
And I remember seeing a couple of girls like look off to the side and I was like, yeah, <laughs> that hit them. And my point with this is that sometimes, and especially this past year, I've realized that sometimes you don't get to solve a problem when you want to. Mm-hmm. The universe gives it to you and presents the opportunity for it to be fixed. You can realize that you have an infinite amount of flaws. You're an imperfect human being, and that's awesome. And you can try to better yourself every day. But as we said before, it's person, like your brain, tipo tu persona y el ambiente es lo que te da la conexión. So even if you know what's wrong with you, your environment has to give you the chance to fix it. And that's I why you're I think I needed ready. to hear that. Thank you. Well, good. Because for me, going back to what I was telling you before, is like once you start asking questions, then you sort of get get addicted to it because you figured out the main the main issue. So you start asking, okay, you have you have like the what? This is the the other way around from the golden circles, right? Then I think it's weird, like jump from the what to the why. Sort of like binging, yes, yeah. binging, right, to the why. And then you have to figure out a how to change the what. And then it all changes. And then it all changes. Okay, before you keep going, for those of you who don't know, there's a very good TED Talk by a man called Simon Sinek. He wrote the book called Finding Your Why. And he talks about this idea called the golden circle, which is how we express our ideas. Mm-hmm. And you can apply it basically to everything. And it's very, very acutely and, and accurately applied by dear Ariana here. And... <laughs> Uh, when you have problems like this, you're trying to find the why. Like, mm-hmm. why Why am I like this? There's basically three layers. Like, imagine a big circle, which is your why, right? And then there's a medium circle within the big circle, which is your how. And then the smaller circle. It's the other way around? Yeah, it's the other way around. <laughs> why, how, what? <laughs> exactly. I had it the other way around in my mind. Basically, the big circle is the why. The, the what. how. The what? Sorry, the yes. what? <laughs> Big circle, what? Medium circle, how? Small circle, why? So basically the why is contained both in the how and the what. Speaking about this whole issues or issues, right? You jump from, you, you find your what, and then you have to go straight up to the why to figure out a how, right? And for me, I'm putting a lot of pressure myself into like, Okay, now, now, that, now that you found something that you know bothers you, right? You have to go out and fix it, right? You have to go and face your monsters. It's your duty. It's your duty. And it's more like, you know, you've been avoiding this for your whole life. <laughs> and now you deserve to pay the price. And you have to go and face the things that you don't like. So for me, thinking like the universe is going to give me the chance to amend, like make amends with myself, it's... It's not how I instinctively look at things. It's more like you have to go and find your... You have to go and do it. Okay, yes. I'm going to give you an argument and you're going to hate me. Uh, What's the typical story? Like, la historia típica de... Like, we have to save the world. Like, uh, well, Peterson uses it a lot. Like, the knight fighting the dragon and rescuing the maiden and getting the gold. Mm -hmm. Yes? Okay. You have no recognition if you there's no dragon, and there's no gold, and there's no maiden. There has to be something to fight for. Yeah. And and it's horrible, but it like betterment of yourself for the sake of betterment is good. But if you don't let it flow, like 
Ok, esto es importante. Y creo que, creo que it's exactly the frustration that you have. Es, bettering yourself isn't only yourself. It's bettering you, your environment, and everyone around you. And when you figure out why you need to get better, there's an infinite amount of hows and an infinite amount of what that you can get better at. But you also don't have one why. O sea, maybe el universo te está diciendo que este why en particular tienes que esperar tu rato. Remember, we were we actually do not have a, a couple of things figured out about the podcast. And it's that kind of thing where you're thinking about it and <laughs> thinking about it and you can't get an answer. And then you, as soon as you stop thinking about it, like you're on the bus or eating or on the toilet and then light bulb. Epiphany, yeah. Exactly. Yes. And the other thing is, sometimes I feel like when that moment arrives, like I'm not going to be ready to accept, like embrace my epiphany. Why not? Then that should be your next why. I know. I know the answer to it. Like, I know the answer to it. And maybe I will be able to do it. But I know it's going to be, like, another, you know, moment of growth. Like, it's probably exponential growth at the moment. Yeah, but... Um, y una de las cosas que, bueno, o sea, a mí me da un poco de paz y es un poco desesperante al mismo tiempo. I read, Jordan, uh, I read uh, Rick Riordan when I was little. Mm. Y una de las, de las visiones un poco más perturbantes que vi en el libro es The Miss of Thesifus. Like, you're rolling. I don't know. You, uh, you, you do. It's the mountain up the hill. It's a, the, the Sisyphus gave fire, stole fire from the gods, and gave it to the humans. Mm -hmm. Like it's the the metaphor for creativity, invention, intelligence, mm -hmm. etc. And uh, what happened is that the gods punished him uh, by making him roll a boulder up a hill, and just when he's about to get to the top, the boulder rolls over him and gets him back to the bottom. And then he has to start all over again. Mm -hmm. And at some point in the book, like, they have to talk to Sisyphus because they want something, etc. And one of the main characters of the book um, has to do the boulder thing. And she did it twice. And she said, thank God that it was only twice because I started to want to do it more. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, you start to want to do it more. And in, in ese sentido es un poco perturbante, pero cuando te pones a pensarlo desde el punto de vista de ese hermano, o sea, Sisyphus is made to live the human life. The human life is rolling up a boulder, a boulder up the hill, realizing that to solve that problem, you need to solve others, going down the hill, solving the next one. Okay. And that's... Okay, okay. There's a, there's a comfort in that routine. Como mm -hmm. que you're... You, you, you will always do better, you will never do perfect. Okay. And I think that that's the key to Keep feeling... Leaving. No, and to stop feeling off. Like, you feel off because you think everything's wrong. I think the, the key is to grab what you are feeling and understanding that it's part of another process that you're living. As long as you're living the best way that you can, feeling off is a symptom of finding new things to have better. Mm -hmm. I think that's the way to look at it. Yeah, I was going to say something and I forgot because you got me caught in your words. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. It was about feeling off and well. You see how we peel the onion? Yes, this we do. Thing. We do. We're like Shrek. We're onions. We get peeled. Yeah. I like it. Well, basically, the like what we got to is the fact that you know when you're feeling off, then you have to make like a checkup with yourself. Yeah. And 
daily checkups are important, monthly checkups are important, yearly checkups are important. It's also important to stop checking. That's what's really hard for me. I think that I wake up every morning. I don't know. This, this has happened to you because I sometimes think I'm a sort of psychopath. I wake up in the morning and then, you know, after you sleep, you sort of like, you have a blank slate when you wake up. It's like some of the things that you were dealing with the day before disappear. Disappear. And when you have a bad thing that you're dealing with, for example, you wake up and then that's not the first thing you think about. You maybe feel bad and then you're like, shit. I, and you remember something from the day before that you had to deal with. What's happened to me lately is that I wake up and then I do a list of the things that made me feel off yesterday and see how they make me feel right when I wake up. And then that sets a mood for the day that not necessarily is the best, right? Especially because many of the things that you find about yourself, you're not going to find them on your own. Like you go out, you live, you gather information, and then you process it while you're on your own. But you cannot expect to portray a scenario in your mind that's going to be realistic enough as in for yourself to draw conclusions from it and for it to be accurate, you know? Yeah. So it's like I just wake up and I gather all the things that I know that bother me, and then I'm like, okay, I'm back. <laughs> I have a metaphor for you. Okay, you, you know how a camera works. Mm-hmm. Like an, an old school camera, like a, 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 a chamber obscura. You know, uh-huh. like the little hole. I mean, it doesn't work if you have too much light. Okay. You need exposure to light to be mediated. Mm-hmm. At some points in your life, you're going to be able to de- deal with 5, 10, 45 problems again. But sometimes you can't. Sometimes you have to deal with one. And I think that's super important. Y lo otro es, and maybe you should prioritize those problems. Like, you have your plan. You know what you want to do. You have an idea of what you're supposed to be doing in the next year, two years, three mm-hmm. years. If the things that are off are going to affect your plan, do it like an Excel sheet, you know? The most affecting at the top and then the others at the bottom, you know? And prioritize, and it's an economy of energy. Just find the things that are most affecting you and are easiest to fix and fix them. That's a leverage point. Exactly. But I feel like, okay, yes. But there's also, like, things that are affecting you a lot that are not easy to fix. And that's where I mean by the... That's where the answer of the universe comes in. It's like, you feel like it's something that's really affecting you and that you want to sort out, but at the same time, it's so big that you... There's not one thing that you can do that's gonna, like... <laughs> well, that's... Yes, in time that there's no there's no cookie cutter solution for uh-huh. it, and it's probably outside like actually outside of your reach as a human being, like it's too overwhelming to just consider and fix. Or I am like, uh, for me at least, I think it's a set of like actions and a change of paradigms. Well, I'll, I'm I'm going to give you one, like the wisest piece of advice I think I can give you. Do John Pearson's self writing program. Okay. I would do it because I don't have an answer for you. No. I'm actually still figuring <laughs> it out. And I think that there's something very personal that you're going through. And I think that all of us do. Like, when you, when I think about it and I go really deep into what's going on with me, I can probably find myself in that solution or in that place. Solamente que me encargo todas las mañanas. Es como que not avoid it, pero let myself function. Mm. Another thing would be to, you know, 
mm-hmm. let yourself function before you start. Like, let yourself start the day before you weigh on. Mm-hmm. Y aprecia las cosas que haces, porque también una de las cosas que nos pasa es que resolvemos cinco problemas en un día y nada más estamos pensando en los 20 que nos quedan en la casa. Mm-hmm. Como que, be grateful of the amount of things that you do. Like, you should leave today and say, like, it's 10 in the morning, and I've already recorded, like, 40 minutes of, like, really good content. That's <laughs> something to be proud of. I know. And regarding, like, let myself function, I think for me, a key moment of my morning is my coffee. And I've learned that I need peace for my coffee. Yeah. yeah. If I, like, if I mess with my coffee digestion and my coffee consumption, then there's a big mess on, right? Yeah. If I can just, like, push it until the end and then just, like, go to therapy in this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> let the shit out, you know, it helps me work better, especially when you understand that it's also a matter of time, you know? Time heals. Yeah. Time heals all wounds. Mm-hmm. Okay. I like it. I like it. I think that was, that was very good. <laughs> High five, come on. Awesome. Thank you for listening to another episode of No One Gets Away With Anything. Here with you, Jose Rafael Chaneri and Ariana Lopez. Thank you for listening. See uh, you again next Monday. This was very fun to record, and I hope you liked it as much as we do.